now we're on. Yeah. I want to share my sweet chili sauce with you. <laughs> Girl, you're not that stingy. That's my new shit, man. You've eaten like an Olympian? Yeah, I've been eating like an Olympian. That chili sauce is awesome. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's really good. I remember when I was using McDonald's. When you were what? Using McDonald's. When you were using? Yeah. Mainline and the chicken nuggets? When I was eating my feelings in McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. I got some feelings to eat tonight. Is that comfort food? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Not anymore. Yeah. I had that chili. I had to try the chili sauce. I don't eat. I haven't eaten chicken McNuggets in years, and I was like, "Well, I got to do this." I mean, obviously, I got to try this chili sauce. Got to try this, and so yeah, it's so good. Well, welcome to episode forty of I Only Like the Old Stuff. It's the first of season four, which will prove to be the best season yet of I Only Like the Old Stuff. Episode forty, Lordy, Lordy, looks who's forty. <laughs> lordy lordy IOLTOS is 40 yeah awesome like to congratulate ourselves what are we going to be talking about tonight Jigga? I don't know we got housekeeping to do first I'll clean it up uh what what uh number one fan this week is going to go out to Julia who is the wife of uh Uncle Jebediah a previous number one fan Mm-hmm. And uh, so, Julia, you uh, mostly, I think you're forced to listen to it by Uncle Jeb, but it sounds like you're actually getting into the show. Maybe that's out of just necessity. Or maybe you're faking like you like it. Maybe yeah. you're trying to impress us. <laughs> Probably not. But um, yeah. if there's one thing she doesn't need to do is that I try to impress us. Anyway. Right. Yeah, she, not like she did in the first place, but... She she's getting this mostly because she was a trooper and actually completed a whole meal with us, and she was the only female there. Um, her and Uncle Jeb and Grizzles. I think she gets it for putting up with Uncle Jeb. That's part of it, but <laughs> could you imagine living with him? Uh, plus, being married to him? No, I cannot. <laughs> um, but I can't I can't hate on him because you know what Uncle Jeb I did some uh, I helped out his uh, his high school class with something mm-hmm. and he sent me uh, a Fago shirt in the mail and everybody lo- knows that I love Fago nobody knows that but everybody does and uh, yeah he sent me this retro Fago shirt so I'm thinking about joining the insane clown posse and uh, <laughs> you gonna be a tour. juggalo yeah a juggalo this summer I'm going on tour you know. uh he did, he he failed to mention this in the email that he you know wrote in response to your hive email for getting the Fago shirt, but he called me up because he knew that I would know your t-shirt size. <laughs> <laughs> I said if you can get it in a large slim fit, that'd be great. Otherwise, a medium might work. Yeah, yeah. He did he did good, man. It's good. It's a red pop color, my favorite. So uh, yeah. We'll get a picture of that up on the uh, website. We will. I'll, I'll throw that up there. It's on my daily booth right now, miss, if you want to grab it from there. <laughs> uh, number one hater this week is, uh, man, I hate to keep giving it to this guy, but I love to keep giving it to this guy. <laughs> uh, he deserved it this time. Owen, who has been number one hater many times, we, we probably need to have a pantheon for number one haters. 
since we have one for number one fans, you know, Clave and Miss and everybody like that. But, uh, yeah, Owen really outdid himself this time by uh, just totally shitting all over Inglorious Bastards. It's like, oh, it's not that good. By totally shitting all over Inglorious Bastards, what what Joey means to say is he sent one tweet out. <laughs> right. Saying Inglorious Bastards wasn't that good. It was so, like, hipster, and I only like their old stuff. I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't say, oh, Tarantino just jumped the shark after Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> that Reservoir Dogs reference in there. <laughs> He's still got the Reservoir Dogs poster up in his bedroom. Yeah, right next to his Bob Marley poster. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, what, Jim Belushi in his uh, college shirt? Yeah, Animal House. Yeah. Living. Pink Living Floyd's like... The Wall. Or, uh, actually, Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon, the... yeah. Yeah, right, right below his uh, uh, Siamese Dream poster. Yeah, I had a Siamese Dream poster. I believe that. That's the only one I had out of all those. But I, believe I that. but uh, many people on my dorm hall had those all of the above. Yeah, I had the uh, the Jack Nicholson looking through the door panel saying, "Here's Johnny." Yeah, from the show. I had that. Yeah, it was huge, and it was uh, it was all in black and white. It was pretty good. A good poster for the college days. That's another classic one, yeah. Yeah, That's another one. Yeah. They had a big poster sale at the beginning of uh, college. Oh, always, know? yeah. That's so crazy. I mean, because you wonder where you get those posters. Well, you go to the college poster sale. So, Clave, look forward to next year when you go to the art institute out there in San Fran or wherever it is, and you can buy yourself some sweet. I'm. I only like their old stuff posters. Yeah, despite, he's be... the fact, despite the fact that you make posters, you can go purchase one yourself. Yeah, he's he's gonna be gonna be drawing some posters. I actually got to see Clave's posters in person this weekend because I was at your house, and they're awesome. Yeah, and not that I didn't think they were awesome before, but they're even more awesome in person. That's true. Hey, and Clave, we got some homework for you. Um, Mitch Mitchell from the Oatmeal Conspiracy, he emailed in saying that he loved last week's show. And he envisioned a scene with me with a powdered wig on and Groove holding up a platter with uh, my quill pen on it, you know, holding it up for me. So that, and uh, that would be awesome if we could get a, a drawing of that, a rendering of us in in, uh, in powdered wigs with, with Groove holding my uh, my quill pen on a beautiful silver platter. It'd be great. Hey. <laughs> that's a good segue into uh actually that's not a good segue because we need to talk about the oatmeal conspiracy some more <laughs> i was gonna say it at the end of the show so people didn't forget Well, let's hit it up now and then we'll do it again at the end of the show all right uh oatmeal conspiracy has a show coming up on saint patty's day which for those of you who don't know is march 17th wednesday it's in the raleigh north carolina area at the poor house music hall Go to theoatmealconspiracy.com for more information. If you live in and around Raleigh on St. Patty's Day, head on out to the poorhouse to go see the Oatmeal Conspiracy play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, final bit of housekeeping. If you want us to sound better, get us some new microphones. <laughs> uh, there's a PayPal link on the website, I only like their old stuff.com, and we've had some donations come in recently, and I don't know who they're from right now but 
Yeah, we had a, a woman donate money that we don't know. What was her name? I don't know, and I feel bad that I don't know because Fuck, you should know that. That was your really responsibility. Really should, really should, but I don't. And I went on and googled her and don't know who she is. Lindsay, thanks, Lindsay. Lindsay gave us ten bucks. Uh, Clave gave us two dollars and fifty-four cents or something ridiculous, and <laughs> and uh, Moses Mendoza gave us a dollar. <laughs> thanks to all of you. So out of that dollar, we get like ninety-two cents. Yeah, so. Clave gave us that that. $2.52 because he felt guilty because he's been doing some illustration work on the side for another podcast. He's been double dipping. <laughs> some, some science podcast. <laughs> I confronted him about it and he said, I don't see a ring on this finger. <laughs> yeah. I'm allowed to listen to what other podcasts. Should, what is that? You should be listening to that BS report. Should I put a ring on it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all the housekeeping. Now we're going to roll right into... Uh, what, Oscar talk? Yeah, Oscar talk. Now, what comes on before the Oscars, Jigga? Um, the Bob or Wawa special. <laughs> and, uh, well, I got nothing. Well, was, first of all, a, we, first we a, should say that our, our, uh, our simulcast of the Oscars failed. <laughs> for many reasons, mostly because the viewers didn't buy us new microphones. <laughs> Sorry for that, not really. Um. Yeah. It so. was. Uh, I wish that that people could have seen the videos of us trying to figure out how to do that shit. <laughs> it was bullshit. We sat there for about an hour and a half. Yeah. Is this on? Going back and forth hear between two me? different computers. Ah, I can't. You can't hear it. There's too much lag. We're not gonna be able to do this. Well, just get people to pause their TVs and DVR and start ten seconds later. Finally, we just said fuck it, and we got some pizza. <laughs> it was hilarious, though. If you would have been there, you probably would have laughed. But you weren't. So, trust us, it was funny. Um, yeah, so Oscar stock. We we started out watching the Barbara Wawa special, and this is apparently Which... Barbara Wawa's last special. And this is the special that always comes on every year where... You know, they have the movie stars on, and they cry. This, the lens has always got Vaseline on it, so it's real soft. No wrinkles. No wrinkles at all, which is great in the HD age. <laughs> it is necessary in so the HD age. So people benefit from the soft Walter's focus in the HD age. But um, this is her last time doing it, so she did this retrospective of all her previous episodes. Back 30 years or something. Ridiculous. <laughs> it so bad. It was a, she she's been on for 29 years and basically the the hour long show they had one interview for like 5 minutes at the very end with Sandra Bullock and so the first 50 minutes was a recap of the worst 20 years of interviews ever yeah just and Barbara Walters had some kind of weird like she was getting older and then she started getting younger again and then she got older again it was back. It depended on the year. It was just like a roll of the dice, depending on how they did her outfit and makeup. She either looked fifty or like twenty. Yeah, and it was back and forth. It wasn't even like she was getting older and then all of a sudden younger. It was like old, young, old, young. It was this weird, unstuck in time. I thought we were watching Lost for a minute. You said it looked like an extended Saturday Night Live skit. It really true. did because they have. She had all these like she has all these intro things where she shoots an intro at a location. And yeah. it just absolutely looks ridiculous. And the the fashion, oh my god, the fashion. 
they ripped the worst sound bites from every single interview. Like for Jim Carrey, they just had Jim Carrey making a couple faces. Next. It was almost as if they were just like, let's just put this together, and they just grabbed random one minute, one or thirty second clips. They were just and, like, they just randomly picked them. It wasn't even like they would start in the middle of a sentence. You know, for the she when she started, she said, "I honestly don't know why they picked me for the special." And after watching it, I she was validated. I I, I don't have yeah. the answer why. Now I honestly don't know why she was picked for the special. And why is she going out on Sandra Bullock? Why is that the last? I mean, granted, there's not really a notable winner this year, except for probably Christoph Waltz. You know, as far as like compelling stories or whatever. But yeah. she had Sandra Bullock on, and it was just like. Three questions and they were finished. Why not go on, you know, Gabby Cibernet or whatever from Precious or something, you know? Sure. Like, or really? Sandra Bullock? Yeah, Catherine Bigelow. Like, I don't know. But, Cap- uh. Captain of the Diane Lane All Stars. <laughs> you gotta get a Bill Simmons reference in there, don't you? I do. I'm hoping he'll just listen someday. You know, I was on the internet the other day and I saw where somebody had tried to take credit for the Diane Lane All Stars. It was some message board or something like that where a dude was like, yeah, I, me and my buddies were coming up with this idea called the Diane Lane All-Stars where you treat it as a, you know, women over 40 as a sports team and you have a captain and a coach, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, what the fuck? This dude's not even citing Bill Simmons. Well, so you thought of it first, I guess. I didn't register for the message board so I could sign in and call him out, but I would have. I'm sure you would have. Your love for Bill Simmons knows no bounds. You know? <laughs> no, it's unconditional. That man can do no wrong. <laughs> Back and forth, huh? That's how you're going to play it. Well, oh, it's, it's still going. Oh, my God. Preparing, <laughs> preparing for the for the Oscars, Jig and I made sure to download the Wrap It Up box. Uh, app for the iPod. <laughs> if you don't have it, you need to get it. And whenever somebody's talking just a little bit too long, just open it up and play the wrap it up box straight off the Dave Chappelle show. Yeah, we we had some nice moments during the broadcast where uh, we played them off. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's get into the main event of the night, which was Sunday night, uh, about the Oscars. Yeah. And, um, we're, I've got a couple things for you. Go for it. What was the grade that you give for the co-hosts? Uh, I give them a B. A B. And the reason I give them a B, they had some good little one-liners. Um, you know, it was Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin, and they had a good rapport together. But not all the jokes were great, and they disappeared for like ninety percent of the show. It seemed like they did the opening, and then and then they they like were they were out there two or three times making a horse joke at Sarah Jessica Parker, and uh, and then they disappeared for the rest of the show. Yeah, I I don't know. What did, what did you give them? I wrote down A minus, but I think B plus is probably more accurate. Um, I'd give I'd give uh I'd give that intro with uh, Doogie Howser an F. <laughs> Not because of him, because he's actually funny and I like him, and he actually is a pretty good singer. But the song was stupid; it didn't make any sense. It wasn't funny. It wasn't. It was like, why not just have Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin do it? Yeah, why do you need to get Neil Patrick Harris to do your intro? I don't understand. Billy Crystal would never do that. 
He would call out the people in the audience during that song in the intro, but the lights were out in the audience, in the house. Yeah. So you couldn't even see the people that were just calling out. They would pan to them, and they'd be in dark, darkness. My question was, where was Jack Nicholson? Because Jack Nicholson always sits in the middle, and they always show him. like he, They get his reaction to everything, just because that's what you do. He's like the king of the court, and he wasn't yeah. there. I, they never showed him. It, you know what happened? They've split it into two different people now. Now, this year was Kathy Bates and George Clooney. Yeah, why Kathy Bates? She presented, you know, one of the ten best pictures. But yeah, every time they showed the audience, you would just see her face. And I think, didn't she do she did the little thing on Avatar? Yeah, she did. Oh, God. Weird. Totally weird. weird. I mean, she. I guess she won an Oscar, right? For Misery? Years ago. Yeah, she did. George Clooney really is the new Jack Nicholson, though. I think that's he what is. it is. They I'm okay it. with that. I am too. How many people misunderstood the, the 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 fact that George Clooney, obviously having some intuition of comedic timing, bought into the joke at the beginning of the show where Alec and Steve were giving a, a bad look at George Clooney, and he he gives them the stone cold stare back, and people are like, "Oh, George Clooney, sour grapes." Yeah, why isn't he? Oh, he's. Why is he getting so mad? Why is he so... I'm like, he's not mad. That's acting. Not very good acting. But <laughs> well, obviously it doesn't take very much. Obviously good enough acting to fool right. some people watching the Oscars. I mean, if you, if you, I guess since you and I know George personally, it's a little different. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, what was that? Did you hear that? No. Uh, okay. Miss, what are you doing? I am YouTubing stuff. Oh, that's why I got a lot louder. You need to close that browser. What? It didn't get louder. I don't have any noise. It got louder in my business. Nah, it didn't get in mine. I what just are start- you YouTubing? What you guys are talking about? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear any change. Well, okay then. Um. So, okay, so what? We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and jam into the best speech nominees. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give got? you... I'm going to give you four... Of the nominees, okay, and you choose who was the best. Who was the, who had the best uh, acceptance speech? Yes, <clears throat> Christoph Waltz for best supporting actor. The uh, the guy that wrote the adaptation of Precious, uh, Jeffrey Fletcher. Uh huh. The guy that um, did the score for Up, Michael Giacchino or whatever, yeah. and Sandra Bullock for best actress. Um. Well, I like all of those, um, but I think Christoph Waltz's was the best for me because he actually told a story with it. He did something a little different where he didn't just read off names. He told this story of some kind of exploration of a new continent, which, uh, whatever, but it just, it, he got all the names in there and it flowed and it wasn't completely horribly boring. So that was mine. What was yours? Uh yeah, it's either him or, or Michael Giacchino. He did that, too. He he hollered at the kids chasing their dreams, which yeah. I'm all about. You know, I don't want to hear a long list of thanking producers and people I could give a shit about that already made a bunch of money on your movie. You know, why not yeah. holler at the people that are watching this, you know, preparing their speeches for when they grow up and do the same thing? I I yeah. give a little shout-out. I, I thought it was pretty classy of Monique to uh, give a shout-out to Hattie McDaniel. You know, the, I've read a couple yeah. of different opposing opinions about this. Really? 
Yeah, because Monique went up there and said it's about the, you know, it's about the performance and not the politics, and then goes in to make it about the politics. Well, that and aside. It wasn't, the, it wasn't Hattie that created Monique. There's a lot of other people that have paved the way for Monique to do what she does. That's true, but uh, Hattie McDaniel was was treated, you know, poorly by the Academy. She won, won the award, wasn't allowed to sit with the white audience during the presentation, and so I thought it was a nice little shout-out. Well, great. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not taking a side either it way. It wasn't about the Paul. That wasn't political to me. It was just giving some due, giving credit where it's credit's due, you know. Yeah. What do you think about uh, Barbara Streisand saying, finally, uh, you know, a woman director wins the Oscar? Oh, so the setup was Barbara Streisand was like, we have a chance for a first of either a woman or an African-American uh, you know, director to win this award. And then when she announces it, she says, the streak is broken. And you see the African-American director get all excited, only to have his dreams crushed, because, uh, no, it was, it was actually good, went to the woman. And, well, so there was another opinion that I read that was, like, knocking on Barbara Streisand for doing that because... Was it, it wasn't really, or, or she, you know, her saying that could be interpreted as, well, it was a woman winning, winning the director Oscar, or was it the best director winning the director Oscar? You get what I'm saying? Right, because you, you don't want to be, it's like people say, I don't want to be considered a black actor, I want to be considered an actor. Yeah. You know, like that sort of thing, like why do I have to be labeled by, you know, this or whatever. So I can see that. I was okay. glad that Catherine Bigelow won just because I thought she deserved it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was nervous about that. I mean, ultimately, folks, if you didn't watch the Oscars, there was a ton of hype about whether or not Avatar was going to win for best film. They were going to sweep the uh, Oscars with best director and all, everything they were nominated for. And they didn't. They got three Academy Awards, right? And Hurt Locker got five? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought they got the ones they deserved. Uh, the Avatar, because I like the movie, and it's very, uh, you know, the special effects were incredible. I was really glad, the whole time I was like, please don't let James Cameron win anything. Please don't let that man get up there and talk. He is the worst speech gear. You just want to punch him in the face after he's done talking. Just well, you, shut well, up and make movies. Don't well, accept any awards. What would you have done if uh, if Catherine Bigelow went up there and said, I'm the queen of the world? <laughs> I probably would have applauded her. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I, I'm really happy about Catherine Bigelow because she made one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Strange Days, which is kind of an overlooked cult classic sci-fi f- film. Yeah. And you should check that out. Also, who would have thought that the director of Point Break would go on to win a, an Oscar? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Ooh. Which is a great movie, but no, not a great movie. Didn't Keanu Reeves introduce The Hurt Locker? Oh, maybe he did. I think he did. I mean, that's why he was there. He was introducing one of the ten. Yeah, films. he did do that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, props to uh, them extending best nom- best film nominees from from five to ten in order to get rid of the shitty music performances for best song. Right. Yeah. But they not, still that, have... not that I'm happy that they've extended that category, but 
you know, I mean, whatever. However, I will say that when 3-6 did that song from Hustle and Flow, it was awesome. Well, they should have just stopped it there. That should have been the last one. Yeah. But you can't talk that. We're going to have a, this was the best performance we will have ever, so we're done with this category. How about that dance thing that went on forever, though? They still had the interpretive dance. (laughs) They did. It was uh, ballet mixed with uh, breakdance fighting. Yeah. It was some hype dancing, but I was just kind of like, okay, come on. Uh, It kind of started slow, you know? But then it, then they kind of let it out a little bit and got better. I don't know. Maybe you just got used to seeing You were like, okay, this is what it's going to be, and now I'm used to it, and I, I know what to expect. Because with anything, if you don't know what to expect, then there's a chance that you're not going to like it. Couldn't you know? we just cut that out, though, and let the people, the, 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 the sad people who are the second person to talk to accept the award, let them have their 30 seconds rather than just cutting them off, cutting the microphone off? Well, speaking of, you know... Uh, acceptance speech debacles. Um, the feature documentary uh, winner. There was a little bit of controversy. Somebody got Kanye'd. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I can't even remember the name of the documentary. It was um, somebody's band, something band, right? About this African band, and uh, and the guy that directed it apparently had a falling out with one of the producers. And um, so he's, he hustled down there to accept the award, which is usually only accepted by one person, which is usually the director for feature-length documentary. And in the middle of his speech, this woman just shows up on stage and says, Oh, won't you let a woman talk? And she goes on to say a bunch of stuff that makes no sense at all. Yeah. And if you watch the video in the replay, it's hilarious because he's running unnaturally fast down the stairs, and <laughs> apparently his mother put her cane out and blocked that woman from getting out of the aisle, and you can see her get stopped. Yeah. Um. That that woman. The thing that threw me off was that woman's face was giant. Her head wasn't giant, but her face was giant. She had this huge <laughs> Wizard of Oz head. It was huge. It's true. It just threw me off. I didn't even notice the that the, a controversy had happened because I was like, "Oh my god, where did that giant face come from?" Well, I I, I knew something was off because yeah. she just elbowed him and then started talking, and he tried to finish what he was saying, and then he just stares at her with this like, "I'm about to fucking kill you," grin. You know, like I'm smiling, but only because I'm on national television. Yeah. I think they ought to make it a game from now on that anyone that has more than one speaker for their award, they put them at opposite ends of the of the uh, auditorium, and whoever gets the microphone first gets to talk. T. Boone Burnett would never get to talk. No, never. He didn't talk the other night, which I was thankful for. Yeah, he was, that was good though of him. You know, he's accepted enough. Oh, he's awards. got probably ten. Oscars. You know, so he let that other guy talk, who said some bullshit that nobody will ever remember. Blah blah blah. Yeah. He was, uh, I don't know, T-Boone. Didn't take his sunglasses off the whole night. Are you saying T-Boone? T-Boone. T-Bone. It's T-Boone. T-Boone? Yeah, no, I used to know a guy named T-Boone. Oh, uh, okay. So I just want to call That's T-Bone. a funny T-Bone. joke for you and T-Boone. <laughs> That's great. What, um, what... Never mind. How no. heartbreaking would it be to write a song for a movie and you got your big break and it gets nominated for an Oscar and then you realize T-Boone's got nominated as well? How about you work for four years on your greatest special effects work ever and then, oh yeah, Avatar's nominated too. <laughs> 
Oh. Oh. They've been working on that shit for ten years now. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Well, you get relegated to the uh, that Oscar show the night before that doesn't get televised that gets they get the <laughs> yes. picture taken of them. This is for breakthroughs in science and technology. Why does that? Why is that even recognized by the Motion Picture Association or the Academy of Arts and Sciences? That's what it is. I guess because it's the Academy of Arts and Sciences. Yeah. Whatever. Best moment of the night. For me was Jeff Bridges winning Best Actor. Yeah. Just because, like, that dude, he just seems like in a, in a Hollywood of, full of people that seem fake. He seems pretty legit. He's been married for 33 years. He's got, what, two teenage daughters. And he just seems like, a you know, he's the dude. And he won an Oscar. <laughs> the dude won. You know? So that that was my hype moment. That was What's pretty you? good. He gave a shout-out to his parents, too. Legit. Who got him into the business? The man has been in the business for like forty years. Well, his whole family is Hollywood royalty, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he what? He did his first movie in like seventy one or some bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time to be doing anything. Yeah, my, my dad was hyping up. He was like, "Oh yeah, his father was on this show Sea Hunt that I used to love." <laughs> uh, there you go, props and some weighing in on the Oscars. Back when your dad was. Aspiring to be a parking lot engineer? Yeah, yeah. Now, back then, my dad was set. My dad's first job was setting up pins in a bowling alley. Really? Because used to be they didn't have the automatic setters, so they had to like hire some dudes in the back to run a, run and set them up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So he's doing that and going home and watching Sea Hunt. Well, my favorite was um, Ben Stiller presenting Best Makeup. Uh. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It is it, Ben Stiller's at his finest when he's presenting an award. When he he did Joaquin Phoenix last year, yeah, and, uh, and this year I I don't know I think I thought it was all great. I mean, it, it, like I say, I mean he needs to stick to presenting awards because he's funny when he does that. So like forty five seconds of Ben Stiller is great, and then everything after that starts to go downhill. Yeah, Sorry. apparently he was supposed to. Sasha Baron Cohen was supposed to be on that with him, and and they said no. Uh, <laughs> you might piss off James Cameron, so no, you can't be on there. But what's funny? He dressed up as an avatar, a Navi, and uh, and he says, you know, well, the Avatar's not even nominated in this category. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, and when when I read this name, I'm going to stand as far away from the microphone as possible so as not to ruin this person's <laughs> crowning achievement. <laughs> that was that was nice. Um, well, so we had our classic Oscar Fest competition between uh, J-Ho and Groove of who gets to pick, or we we pick the winner of each category and we keep a tally. It wound up I won, I beat J-Ho by one point. By one point. And uh, go get on Twitter, hype myself up, only to realize that uh, that Grizzles went back and double checked his ballot and and beat me by one point. So now I I will live up uh, to to my commitment of of giving Grizzles a uh, care package from I only like their old stuff, and uh, in it is going to be uh, several items, some of which Jigga will suggest to me. Right, I believe he already has three used dip bottles, and what was the other thing? Oh, uh, a, a copy of the Great Medical Disasters uh, debut <laughs> CD. 
And I think I'm also going to, you know, I'm going to walk around my house and find some things to throw in a box. Just a bunch of junk. Here you go. You get what you I, wanted. I've been meaning to clean out this, you know, the trash out of my house. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So yeah. congratulations, Grizzles. Uh, you went to see two movies this year, and you beat me at the Oscars pick'em. Right, and thanks to everybody who entered the contest. And that would um, be Moses Mendoza with the absurd Oscar ballot, Grizzles with the winning Oscar ballot, and then a bunch of people on Twitter who said Avatar for best film. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I wonder why those people didn't win one entry, <laughs> one category. <laughs> and, well, and, and didn't even get that right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, and breaking news that that album by the Great Medical Disaster is going to be worth a lot of money because apparently they've broken up. Reporting <laughs> it here first, they've broken up. Uh, Owen told me I talked to Owen and he said that they had musical differences. He, <laughs> yeah, he was the only one in the band that knew how to play music. Well, he wanted to play good music, good music, and they weren't willing to play good music. So. I don't think they were talented enough to play good music. Right. I don't play music myself, but watching Owen play, I can understand why it would be hard to keep up with him or a little bit intimidating to play in a band with him. Right. Because he 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 is pretty violent on that guitar. He yeah. gets violent. So moving right along, I don't want to hype his. I don't want to blow that ego up. That ego is already so big it hardly fits on Twitter. Yeah. So moving right along, I'm done with the Oscars. Done. Oscars over. Pwned. Pwned. Hopefully next year we'll have a good enough microphone to do a live video podcast of the Oscars, which will be sure to disappoint. Um, <laughs> but not as much as this year when we actually didn't even get to do it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> sorry right. for the three of you that got excited for a live video podcast yeah. of the Oscars. Hopefully you did something else with your life that night, like uh, read a book or... Or watch the Oscars without us. Yeah. Uh, let's move into these questions. Go for it. What have you been listening to? Listening to? Um, I'm still on this Eels kick. Yeah? And they've got uh, a dub. Is this going to be like me and the Killers? No, I don't think so. It's not, <laughs> At least it's a different album. You were with the same album over and over again, I think. Um, it's there, an Eels album from 2005. It's a double album called Blinking Lights and Other Revelations. And it's generally considered their best album. It's just really good. It, it flows good. Not every song is a winner. It's got you know. It could have been one album, probably. Yeah. But it's legit, and I'm I'm listening to it, and I'm still listening to um the, their new album too. Um, the other album that I'm listening to is a uh, well. Time out. Do you have that? What What is the other album called? Is it like Dog Face Boy? No. Which one are you talking about? The late thought... the the newest one is Dog Face Boy is a song off of Soul Jacker. Which Soul is, Jacker, oh, no, that's the album that I have. That's a good album too. I love yeah. Fresh Fresh Feeling, which I use as the intro to one of the uh, Olympic episodes. It's really good. Yeah. Really, everything by Eels I like. I find something I like out of all their albums. So. That's the only Eels album I've ever owned was Soul Jacker, and that was the, my favorite song on that album. Yeah, Dog Boy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was one of the first albums I bought as a freshman in college. Hmm. Not that album, but Eels, uh, the first Eels album, uh, Beautiful Freak, yeah, was one of the first albums I ever bought. And nice. I've kind of listening to them ever since. Um, second album? 
Second album was Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails. Really? Third album was the Triple X album by Jane's Addiction. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I thought you meant you had a second album you've been listening to. Oh, oh, no, I thought you you were asking me which ones I bought. <laughs> <laughs> here, but, no, uh, I, could, I could tell you the chronology of my musical purchases from 1995 till now. I could if you want. No, I'm, okay. I'm all right. No, don't get the Wrap It Up box out. We don't need it. <laughs> now, the, the other album I was listening to is this band called Me Without You. No spaces. Me Without You. Mm-hmm. Me Without You. Um, who I saw live and walked out of their show because they uh, they followed uh, I believe Sparta open because they fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah, they blew live. They were awful and they just annoyed the shit out of me. And I was like, I'm out of here. Um, but their latest album, which has <laughs> so you made them like so they became me without you, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, them without me. Um, but. This latest album, which is named some incomprehensibly long title that also annoys me. Yeah. Um, is, this, you're setting it up great. I, I can't yeah, wait. To it's actually to really good. I'm almost ashamed that I like it, but um, I don't know. They got a lot of allegorical songs on there. Yeah. And it's uh, the, the, if you can get past the dude's voice. <laughs> Continuing to get, get me excited get about it, this. So. So it's they better than it's, live. It's they got be- a shitty fucking title, and if you can get by the guy's voice, and you like your rock with allegory in it, you're gonna. Yeah, love I wouldn't this even album. say it's much rock to it. Um, <laughs> it's better than getting kicked in the balls. Um, <laughs> and I'm ashamed to like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's mine. What are you listening to? <laughs> well, I just went out right before I came home. To record the podcast, I bought uh, the Broken Bells album that came out today, and there's been some discussion about this. Various friends uh, from that, that that are independent of each other have been talking about this album. It is, and I, I mentioned it on the podcast a couple episodes ago, like several episodes ago. Uh, that is the lead singer from the Shins. What's his name? James Mercer. And um, and Danger Mouse. Yeah. have done they've 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 recorded an album and it um I'm on the first listen. I've only got two songs left. That's what I was listening to while I was preparing the show. And it is good. It's really good. Now <clears throat> what was what was the name of him and CeeLo? What did they Oh, Narls Barkley. Yeah. Uh I think I think it's better than Narls Barkley. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a different feel, obviously a different feel. And it's a little bit more like um, we talk about background music. This is like the perfect background music to have on when you're driving in the car with some friends and you want some music on, but you don't want to have to focus entirely on it and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I, I think it's going to grow on me. I think it'll be a slow burn. I'm hyped to, um, I'm hyped to give it to you when you visit uh, this weekend because I think you'll like it a lot. I think you'll probably wind up liking it more than me, but that's not to say I'm not going to like it. I, I, I'm looking forward to listening to it some more. Sweet. So that sounds like some hype. Yep. Speaking of the hype, my hype this week is the fact that the weather has finally changed, and I don't like the hot weather. Let me make that clear. However, with spring around the corner. I'm getting out in the backyard, making some putts with the disc. I'm getting to go out on the disc golf course and, and get my game back up. I'm brushing the rust off my drive and my putt, and it's it's getting me excited for, for getting back into some disc golf season. So Yeah, bro. Uh, 
<laughs> me without you. Yeah. Me then without you. me. Yeah. What's your height? Uh, Papa Marara. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's people that you know in your life that you can just see them and they make you happy. Oh, why? <laughs> you really gonna hate on Papa Marara? Like I'm not hate. I just knew you were gonna go into a full paragraph. <laughs> Yeah, let's not get started on that, okay? okay? Okay, Let's not get started on that. We can go back a couple episodes and pull up some disc golf discussion that went on for about <laughs> 45 minutes, I think, straight, without me saying anything. I'm checking Wikipedia. I'm, I'm looking at my email. I'm doing business. One time I did my taxes during this it's shit. Just a, I'm just, you know, I'm taking a, 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 a page out of the Bush administration. It's just a preemptive strike right there. Yeah. Ooh, political. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nah, but our buddy Papa was in town this weekend from, uh, I don't know, some bullshit town up north where he lives. Philadelphia. Hey, well, it used to be New York City. Uh, yeah, so Papa was in town, and Papa is just one of these dudes that, you know, you just, anytime you're around him, he just makes you smile, you know? He, uh, he is the, uh, if there was ever a conductor on the hype train, it's Papa Monroe. Yeah, you can see him with his little hat. Conducting the hype train, he's His up cheeks. in the engine. Um, Sanguine cheeks. Yeah, he's he's king baby. As some know him. <laughs> he is king baby. Um, just a awesome dude. Just gets you hyped up. Can have a discussion about anything, anything on the planet. Um, and uh, <laughs> I love how it shows the difference between his uh, city slicker living and our uh, country. Yeah, its abilities because the morning we we had to go to this function on Saturday and so we all got up and we were gonna you know each of us had to take a shower. Papa, went first. <laughs> Papa went first and all of a sudden he's like, uh, "Bro, the uh, there's no hot water left." Bro, so suddenly we're all like Encyclopedia Brown here trying to figure out what the mystery is of where the hot water went and we're like, "Did you take a long shower?" He's like, "No, it was like five minutes." We're like, well, "What could what how what could it have been?" And we're, like, coming up with theories, and then he just kind of slides in there. Well, maybe it was that I ran the shower for 7 to 10 minutes before I got in it. No, no, no. That's not – you're giving him too much credit. That's not how right. it went. You guys woke me up because my alarm didn't go off. And as I'm going into the shower, Papa goes, oh, bro, bro, there's no hot water. I don't know what's wrong with your house or something's got to be up, man, because there's no hot water. I'm nervous because I'm thinking what's wrong with my, you know, my water heater. And he's like, dude – I, I, w- I went in there, I went to take a dump, I turned the water on to get it to heat up, I let it run for 7 to 10 minutes, I get in the shower and there's no hot water. <laughs> and you hear me from the bathroom go, you ran the water for 10 minutes? Yeah, he specifically said 7 to 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, like as if that would make it not as bad, I guess, or something. Like, like I tried to warm it up and it wasn't there. <laughs> Well, yeah, and before that came out, that that period of trying to figure out what had happened did last for a while. You know, it was like really everyone's. I I got up and was concerned. We're <laughs> like thinking about, oh my god, what's happened? Oh yeah, you ran the shower for seven to ten minutes before you got in it. It's the the water doesn't have to climb three floors to get to your apartment, Paps. Right, and we we just we we figured it out that oh he's used to an apartment building that a takes forever for the hot water to get to your apartment and b the water hot water never runs out. Yeah, 
I sat from the bathroom. You ran the water for ten minutes. And it's just, it was silence, and then you hear Jigga laugh. Just start laughing. <laughs> <It's> just cackling. <laughs> just cackling. <laughs> but I apparently it got to, to to reheat because I I got a hot shower in the morning. Yeah. I, I didn't mention that to you guys, but I did get one. Oh, did you? Well, mostly because I was conservative with my shower because I was thinking of you. <laughs> Not thinking of you while I was in the shower, but <laughs> keeping you, keeping you in my thoughts in the shower. There's no way you're gonna be able yeah, to say that. Yeah, I can't really. There's no way. I was be uh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of you in my shower and was... <laughs> served water. It was a. It's a good thing. It was a cold shower. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't stay in there for a long time thinking about you. So that's good. Oh. Uh, yeah, but well, anyway, back to the hype. Popo is hilarious and uh, brightened my day. So there you go. Yeah. If you, I suggest everybody to just add Popo as your friend on Facebook. He won't know what the fuck is going Gator on. Gator Popo? Is it Gator Popo? Well, that's Twitter. I'm talking about Facebook. His name's Papa Ferrara. Uh-huh. Add him on Facebook. Why not? Do it. He, he he apparently treats Facebook the way I did like five years ago, which was like that was my go-to. Just let everybody let everybody in. <laughs> Want to let them in? Yeah. Open door policy. I only like Facebook's old stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not too hype on it these days, but you know, different strokes. Yeah. What's not the hype? Uh, I'm sick, which is also probably the fault of Papa Marara. Speaking of Papa, <laughs> Papa was sick this weekend, and now I'm sick as a dog. I'm fucking sick too, and that's my not the hype. Mm. I knew it. I knew we were gonna have. I'm to sick all more. the time, man. Every couple of months, I get sick now. Well, maybe you should stop eating Reese's cups. Well, I'm gonna eat more ch- chili sauce, sweet chili sauce. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna help. Secure. Yeah. <laughs> well, the hype's still out. Uh, I got this this dude that I've been following called Gunsling Bird, yeah. who has a band called Gunsling Bird. I'm guessing that's not his uh, legal name. <laughs> um, I ha- I've listened to his stuff a little bit, but I haven't haven't downloaded it yet. But um, he was hyping up this uh, Ocarina of Rhyme, uh, which is a rap uh, album where the what? beat the beats are composed of uh, of sound bites from the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. And it's got uh, Common on it, and it's got, I mean, it's just, it's all songs you've heard before, but the beats have been replaced with this, you know, these beats from um, Ocarina of Time, which uh, Uncle Jebediah will probably be into, because he's a, the biggest Zelda fan in the world. But it's got Aesop Rock on it, it's got MF Doom, it's got Common, Jay-Z, uh, Clips is on it. Really? Yeah, and uh, Buster Rhymes, and I... I ooh-ha! I, ooh-ha! That's, that's more... Uh, is that Al Pacino? <laughs> <laughs> Topical. Keeping it on the Oscars. <laughs> um, yeah, but the hype's still out just because I just got it, like literally a few minutes before we started the podcast, and I only listened to a couple of the songs. So. But I yeah. like Legend of Zelda. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, rip me that CD for when you show up next. Well. Uh, my hype still out is that uh, next week is my spring break, and um, I'm traveling with two of my professors and a bunch of people in my department to Ocracoke Island, and we're going to be teaching middle schoolers this um, uh, dialect awareness curriculum for the state of North Carolina. 
And that's all well and good. But <clears throat> the thing is, is that uh, I'm the only male student. Yeah. And there's four female students and these two male professors. And we meet on uh, this past Friday afternoon to go over the curriculum to assign um, different lessons to different people to teach over the week and that kind of stuff. And um, they're talking about, they're sitting there talking about, you know, there's really not much to do on the island, so bring a lot of work because really you're going to go into the school in the morning, teach for about two hours, and then when you leave, there's really only like one or two restaurants open on the island, and there's there's just nothing else to do. And uh, and so, A, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll, I'll just coop myself up and, and get a lot of work done. Which is, you know, it's okay. I mean, it's one way to spend a spring break. I mean, the opportunity to go teach this curriculum to these students is great. You know, not not complaining about that. That's definitely going to be the hype. But then they turn to me, and one of the men is 69 years old, and the other one's probably in his 30s, so 35 or something like that. And they look at me and they say, uh, David, are you excited about sharing a room with us? Uh, it's okay. You're not going to have to share a bed with us. We'll get a rollout cot for you. Uh, but it's one way we save money. And then after the old professor leaves, the younger one says to me, uh, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, he's like talking about how challenging from time to time it is to share a room with this guy because you know how like if you're sharing a room with somebody and you, everybody's supposed to be going to sleep and it's supposed to be quiet, he, the more he tries to be quiet, the more loud he is. And uh, and how he sometimes never gets any sleep and suggests bringing earplugs. And um, so the hype's still out about whether or not I'm going to get any rest and uh, sharing a room with these these guys who kind of wield my future in their hands. And I did mention to them, well, I call I call Small Spoon because you guys are writing my recommendations. And that was the funniest thing I had to say that day. Hype's still out was a failure for Groove this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> you didn't open up the app fast enough? No, I just didn't. I didn't want to be rude, so. <laughs> what have you been surfing? Uh, what? I don't, I didn't have anything for that. <laughs> Doesn't really work there. Uh, <clears throat> well, I've been playing with TweetDeck. Because I, I just uh, I had it as an app, but I never really used it that much. And now I've gotten into all the settings and all the different columns you can get going. And so if you've got an, an iPod Touch or an iPhone, I strongly recommend downloading TweetDeck and customizing it to be a great app for you if you're a tweeter. Sweet. Awesome. <sighs> <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, grab bag this week. Three on three, Oscar edition. Top three director, top three most deserving director Oscar winners. From? From the past 20 years. 89 top, to 09. Right, top three most deserving actor or actress or supporting role uh, from the past 20 years and least deserving best picture Oscar from the past 20 years. So uh, let's start with the directors, maybe? Yeah. We'll go uh, director, Oscar, and then uh, director, actor. I combined actor and Oscar there. Oscar. Yeah. Oscar. And then uh, top three least deserving best picture. Do it. Okay, we'll go back and forth on this one. 
I ranked these. So this is my number three yeah. most deserving directing Oscar from 89 to 09, and that is 2006, Martin Scorsese, The Departed. He beats out Paul Greengrass for U 1993, which I would say probably number two in that category. Right. That's a good pick. Um, my number three is Clint Eastwood, 1992 for Unforgiven, mm-hmm. bringing back the American Western. Yep. If you're a dude, you have to own that film. My number two is Joel and Ethan Cohen in 2007 for No Country for Old Men, beating out Anderson for There Will Be Blood. That's my number two as well. Really? Yep. Nice. Uh, you're number one then. My number one is Steven Soderbergh for Traffic. I knew it. In 2000. I love that movie. And uh, he was nominated for um, uh, Aaron Brockovich, too, that same year. <laughs> the double dipping, a little greedy. <laughs> Julia Roberts got best uh, female actress for, for being Aaron Brockovich that year. Yeah. A little trivia. My number one is Clint Eastwood in 92 for Unforgiven. Beats out sin of a woman. And I got to tell you, Clint Eastwood, for all the hype he gets, I'd still say he's mildly underrated in the directing seat. Right. Are you going to give me that? Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay. I think people forget that he won for Unforgiven in 92. Yeah. I think people I remember, remember that that was, number, that was best film that year, but I think that, um, people forget that he won for the directing, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, top three best actor. This is any actor that's ever received an award, be it male, female, supporting, or lead. Yep. Go with number three. Number three is supporting actor Benicio Del Toro in Traffic in 2000. Mine is 2009, Christoph Waltz in Glorious Bastards. That's a good pick. I think it's going to last. I think so, too. Um, Number two is Sean Penn in 2008 for Harvey Milk. Okay. And, um, yeah, that just, I would, if before I saw that film, I wouldn't have said that, but after I've seen the film, uh, great pretty good. Um, my number two is 96 Francis McDormand for Fargo. I almost went with that one. Really? Marge Olmstead Gunderson. Yeah. My favorite Coen brothers movie Fargo. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is getting, this is in the air right here. Snooty. That's a good (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to drown. Number one is Daniel Day Lewis in 07 for There There Will Be Blood. Uh, really? Because my number one is Daniel Day Lewis in 07 for There Will Be Blood. <laughs> yeah. Not the greatest movie in the world, but an awesome performance. Yeah. That's, I'd say it's his best performance. Yeah. So you may go with Bill the Butcher, but. No. Meh. Meh. All right. Well. Three least deserving Best Picture awards from the past 20 years. What's your first one? Uh, 2001, A Beautiful Mind. Hmm, yep. Bad. Ron Howard, right? Ron Was Howard. Ron ha- Maybe. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Ron Howard. He won, for, he won Best Director that year. Yeah, okay. Ron Howard got an Oscar before Martin Scorsese. Congratulations, Academy. Um, my number three is Gladiator from 2000. <laughs> Gladiator beat out Chocolat, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, and Traffic. <laughs> and uh, Traffic should have won that year, and Gladiator won because it was the big budget movie. And Gladiator is not a bad film; it's a fun film, but not Best Picture. 
No. My number two is 2003, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. all I need to say about that. Uh, my number two is uh, Driving Miss Daisy from 1989. You didn't like that? Racist. <laughs> Fucking racist movie. So, oh. Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, it, it beat out Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poet Society, Field of Dreams, and My Left Foot. All superior films. Wow. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't double check what it beat. Not a single one of those... Driving Miss Daisy is not better than a single one of those other movies. If you think about how they hold up, all four of those films hold up way better than Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Okay. My number one is probably going to be yours. 1998, the year that no movies were made except for Shakespeare in Love. Well, you say that, and (laughs) that's because it won, and that is my number one. But here are some films that beat out. Elizabeth. Well, can I just say that that Shakespeare in Love also won Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress? Well, I, there's a book called... Um, tell, Down- me, tell me who the supporting actress in that movie was. You can't. No. You can't. I have no okay. idea. Um, Down and Dirty Pictures, which is a book about 90s independent cinema, talks about how basically the Weinsteins bought those, those awards. It was like the first time that the major marketing for just to get an award was done, and they succeeded. They won by doing these campaigns. It details in that book about their campaigns to get that that movie there. Uh, It beat out Elizabeth, uh, Life is Beautiful, which is a terrible film, Um, Saving Private Ryan, and The Thin Red Line. The Thin Red Line, yeah, because... Who was it that I think director best director was Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. and it beat, beat Terrence. And I would put Saving Private Ryan or Thin Red Line a million miles ahead of Shakespeare in Love. That's true. You know. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. Shout out again to the Oatmeal Conspiracy playing at the Poor House Wednesday, March seventeenth for St. Patty's Day. <clears throat> Yeah, check them out. <laughs> uh, you can check us out on I Only Like Their Old Stuff at uh, what? I Only Like Their Old Stuff dot com. We got Miss on the microphone running the wheels of steel for the website show notes. Thanks, Miss. Thanks, Miss. Thanks, no Kevin. Problem. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Clave. Thanks, everybody. Hey, you guys are uh, wrapping it up. I have a question. Yeah, do it. Um, <laughs> Wrap it up. Um, I might be the only person that cares, but uh, how was uh, curling? Oh, uh, I wound up not going because it's kind of scheduling conflict. And it well, I sent an email to the person that runs the open house saying, Here, "Go ahead and play the high, box for this we, explanation of we, this." We got, we got. I said, this. I said, we got seven people coming to curling. We're thinking about duct taping one shoe. We're super hype about it. How much time we're going to have? What are we going to get to do? And the response was like, well, you get 15 minutes on the ice, and there's going to be a lot of people there. You may want to show up about an hour early. If you're thinking about actually playing a full game, then you're going to want to come to a learn-how-to-curl session rather than the open house. And I forwarded that email to everybody that was planning on going, and everybody was like, wah, wah. Yeah. Because it takes 45 minutes to drive there in the first place. Yeah, we're going to try to go do maybe uh, one of their lesson sessions or something. So. Yeah, learn from a pro. 
Yeah. This yeah. is as disappointing as finding out the Oscar cast didn't work. Yeah, it's a nice disappointing way to end the show. Thanks, yeah. Miss. Yeah, thanks, Miss. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Check us out on Twitter at IOLTOS or on Facebook.com backslash I only like their old stuff or is that IOLTOS, Miss? It is um, I only like their old stuff. Nice. Dead air. There we go. And that's it, right? That's it for me. All right. Later. Streets, a baker from the outskirts of his town Earned his living peddling sweets from a ragged cart he dragged around The clever fox crept close behind Kept an ever-watchful eye For a chance to steal a ginger spice cake Or a boysenberry pie Looking down was the hungry crow When the time is right I'll strike And condescend to the earth below And take whichever treat I like The moment the baker turned around To shoo the fox off from his cart The crow swooped down and snatched A shortbread cookie and a German chocolate tart Using most unfriendly words That the village children had not yet heard The baker shouted threats by Camdenet To curse the crafty bird You rotten wooden mixing spoon Why you midnight winged raccoon You better bring those pastries back You no good bird black macaroon Fox approached the tree where the bird was perched, delighted in his nest. Brother Crow, don't you remember me? It's your old friend Fox with a humble request. If you could share just a modest piece, seeing as I distracted that awful man. This failed to persuade the crow in the least, so the fox rethought his plan. And if your lovely song would grace my ears, or to even hear you speak, would ease my pains and fears. The crow looked down where the candy in his beak. Your poems of wisdom, my good crow, what a paradise they bring. This flattery pleased the proud bird so, he opened his mouth and began to sing. Your subtle acclamations true, best to give praise where praise is due. Every rook and jay in the core of the day's been raving about me too. They admire me one and all, must be the passion in my car. My slender bill known through the escadrille, my fierce commanding claw. See my cashew princess in the